Ah, oh, great. Another podcast. <laughs> Cue the music. Yeah, that's right. It's another podcast to add to the millions of other podcasts that are already in existence. Seeing how this is my first episode, though, I thought about introducing myself or maybe providing a little background about who I am and telling you what motivated me to do this podcast. But then I figured, who wants to waste their time with all that nonsense? So before we get started, uh, I just have a few disclaimers that I want to throw out there. First of all, if you came here hoping to get your jollies by listening to someone make fun of or ridicule the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as Mormons, then you probably need to find another podcast and probably need to get a life while you're at it. I mean, seriously, it's very sick and pathetic uh, for someone to find joy in tearing down another person's beliefs, uh, especially if those beliefs are what someone holds on to that's near and dear to their heart and something they use to motivate themselves to be a better person. So if that's what you want, if you want to make fun of those beliefs, then uh, you should just probably move along. Second, I will not be criticizing the First Presidency or Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Um, I am a lifelong member of the Church, and I sustain them in their callings. I'm not here to disagree with them. There may be things I don't understand, but that's not in any way a criticism of them. Third, I don't claim to speak for the Church or receive revelation for anyone. That's just not my place. So now that all of that is out of the way, let's just get into it. So what are we going to talk about in this episode? Well... I have a huge issue with some of the cultural mindsets that have become part of the LDS Church, and I feel that they need to be called out, uh, because I feel that they're harmful to the actual gospel that's taught within the Church, and I think that they're harmful to the progression of us as members of the Church. One of these cultural mindsets in particular that really bothers me is the whole you can't bless, prepare, or pass the sacrament unless you wear a white shirt. Before we discuss this point of view, and how it's harmful to gospel progression. Let's just take a minute to mention why people have adopted this idea into our culture. Because I think people have legitimately good intentions, but I think that these intentions have gone off the rails and are now harmful to members of the church. So the most common themes of why we should wear white shirts to administer the sacrament include, and these are what I've found, there may be more, um, symbolism or purity, serving as a reminder to the shirt wearer, of temple covenants we make since we wear white shirts to the temples and to ensure there are no distractions to the people who are taking the sacrament. I've also heard it mentioned that it's the quote-unquote uniform of the priesthood and I absolutely hate that term because to me it suggests the very opposite of what is required of a priesthood holder and it places focus on the outward clothing of a priesthood holder and not the inward worthiness. But we'll get into all of this stuff as we go along. Now I could be wrong but the earliest suggestion I've found that young men should wear white shirts in order to administer the sacrament comes from a talk given by President David O. McKay during the 127th Semiannual General Conference in 1956. In his talk, President McKay stated, and I quote, I am not going to say much about the dress. We are not a people who look to formality. Certainly, we do not believe in phylacteries, in uniforms on sacred occasions, but I do think that the Lord will be pleased with a bishopric if they instruct the young men who are invited to administer the sacrament to dress properly. All right, so let's just stop right there for a second and just kind of summarize what President McKay is saying. 
And what he's saying is basically that the culture of the Latter-day Saints is not one of formality or uniforms, which is one reason why we should immediately remove the term uniform of the priesthood out of our vocabulary, because a prophet of God has told us that we are not a people of uniforms. Ergo, we should not say uniform of the priesthood. That basically sums up why I have a huge problem with that term. He also stated that we are not a people who believe in phylacteries. And I actually had to look that up. I mean, I can barely pronounce it, let alone know what it is. So I had to look it up and see what he was talking about. So in my research, I discovered that a phylactery is also called a teflon. And it is a small leather box containing Hebrew texts or Torah and are worn by Jewish males starting at age 13. The purpose is to remind them of God and their obligation to keep God's laws during their life. And they wear these on their heads and arms during weekday morning prayer. Uh, it's mentioned in the Bible in Deuteronomy and Exodus in several occasions. So that is what a phylactery is. So then we can read in Matthew 23, 5, where the Savior reprimands the Pharisees by stating, But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge their borders of their garments. So, uh, just on a side note, when Christ mentions enlarging the borders of their garments, he's talking about the fringes that was commanded of the Israelites to be placed on their sacred garments to serve as a reminder of the commandments of God. Uh, just so happened that the Pharisees made their fringes longer than everyone else's. So when President McKay stated that we are not a people who believe in phylacteries, uh, he means that we don't believe in an outward portrayal of our faith. And as we can see from the scripture in Matthew where Christ chastising the Pharisees, oftentimes when people exhibit an outward expression of their faith, it's inevitable that someone will come along at some point and take that to the extreme. The Pharisees made their phylacteries broader and enlarged the borders of their garments to be seen as more righteous than everyone else. Similarly, and as sadly as it may seem, it's kind of become a norm in our culture at church to judge boys and men who wear white shirts as being more righteous than those who are not wearing white shirts. All right, let's continue with what President McKay stated. Uh, he went on to say that he will not be displeased if they come with white shirts instead of a colored one. And we are not so poor that we cannot afford clean white shirts for the boys who administer the sacrament. If they do not have them, at least they will come with clean hands and especially a pure heart. I have seen deacons not all dressed alike, but they have a special tie or special shirt as evidence that those young men have been instructed that you have a special calling this morning. Come in your best. And when they are all in white, I think it contributes to the sacredness of it. Anything that will make the young boys feel that they have been called upon to officiate in the priesthood. So let's look at what President McKay says here. Uh, he says the Lord will not be quote-unquote displeased if the boys wear white shirts, which to me suggests that the Lord doesn't expect it, but he wouldn't be unhappy if they did it. He also stated, I think it contributes to the sacredness of the meeting. He was sharing his personal opinion of why it might be beneficial for the young men to wear white shirts to administer the sacrament. At no point did he use words like commandment, mandatory, or expected. He even stated that if the boys don't have white shirts, they need to have clean hands and a pure heart, and the young men can wear a special tie or shirt to remind them of their duty each Sunday. So we can see from his statements 
uh, in his words that it was not expected or required to wear white shirts to administer the sacrament. So after President McKay's talk, the next talk I found that mentions young men wearing white shirts to administer the sacrament comes from Elder Holland's General Conference talk in 1995. And in this talk he states, quote, May I suggest that wherever possible a white shirt be worn by the deacons, teachers, and priests who handle the sacrament. For sacred ordinances in the church, we often use ceremonial clothing, and a white shirt could be seen as a gentle reminder of the white clothing you wore in the baptismal font and an anticipation of the white shirt you will soon wear into the temple and onto your mission. All right, so let's just stop right here for a second and look at what Elder Holland said. So again, he uses words like suggest and could be seen. He again does not use terms like required, expected, or commanded. So to me, he's expressing an opinion and not something that is required. It's his personal preference or something that he feels would be appropriate, but it's not something that is expected or something that is required, I should say. It's also worth pointing out that there is now an option for missionaries to wear blue shirts and no ties while on their missions. So um, the portion where he says that wearing a white shirt will um, help you in your anticipation of the white shirt you'll wear on your mission, it kind of applies, but it's kind of no longer applicable. Elder Holland continues, that simple suggestion is not meant to be pharisaic or formalistic. We do not want deacons or priests in uniforms or unduly concerned about anything but the purity of their lives. So again, it's stated that we don't want to follow the footsteps of the Pharisees who overemphasize the outward expression of their faith. And it's also stated again that we don't want to become too formalistic. So with all that being said, why are bishops refusing to allow worthy priesthood holders to exercise their priesthood authority simply for having a shirt with the wrong pigment when it has never been a commandment or a rule? Let me be clear about this. I am not criticizing President McKay or Elder Holland. Their intentions and suggestions are good. I am criticizing members of the church, including bishops and local priesthood leaders, who have taken this suggestion to the extreme and followed the path of the Pharisees, which a modern prophet, a modern apostle, and Christ himself have cautioned against. So, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we believe that this is Christ's church. And it wasn't until I was an adult when I realized that there's a lot more to that statement than simply believing that it's Christ's church because it was restored to the earth back in the 1800s. It also means that it's Christ's church because he literally leads the church today by revelation to the first presidency and quorum of the Twelve Apostles. It's been said many times in General Conference by various speakers that Christ is at the helm, that Christ continues to lead and direct his church, etc., I mean, we mean that literally, that Christ leads this church. So because it's Christ's church, he establishes the parameters by which the church should be run. He reveals those parameters to the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve by revelation, and they implement those parameters into the structure of the church. We are expected to function in the church within those parameters. Because it's Christ's church, we cannot change or alter those parameters. So when a bishop or stake president says they receive revelation for their word or stake, that's true, but it has to be within the parameters of the church that Christ has established. So one example of this was on my mission, we were teaching an individual who had an issue with the idea of paying tithing. Uh, This woman had met with the bishop of the ward that we were serving in, and he told her that she wouldn't have to pay tithing at least right away. 
that's something that uh, people commit to during their interview for baptism. So I'm not sure where the bishop got this from, but he was completely wrong with what he said because it was outside of the parameters that Christ has set for his church. So then the question is, what are the parameters that have been established regarding white shirts and the sacrament, and where do we find those parameters? In the general handbook for the church, in the introduction under questions about instruction, it states the following. When questions arise that are not addressed in the scriptures, the words of the living prophets or this handbook, church members should rely on their covenants with God, the counsel of their local leaders, and the inspiration of the Spirit for guidance. So this tells us first we go to the scriptures. So are there any scriptures telling us that we have to wear white shirts to exercise our priesthood authority? The answer is no, not to my knowledge. However, there are scriptures that do tell us not to get caught up in wearing fine apparel. In Jacob 2.13, it tells us that people were lifted up in their hearts because of their fine apparel and persecuted their brethren because they supposed they were better than they. So if we tell a worthy priesthood holder that they can't participate in the sacrament because they are not wearing a white shirt, we can try to justify that as protecting the sacredness of the sacrament or say whatever we need to to ourselves to feel better, but what really is happening is we just refuse someone to exercise their priesthood authority, not because he was unworthy, but because he wasn't wearing the right style or color of clothes, and we just became guilty of doing what Jacob warns us about. Next we go to the words of the living prophets, and we have already established that there have been personal opinions shared, but not commandments or rules established. So after that, we go to the church handbook. And the previous version of the church handbook, uh, church handbook number two, administering the church, is stated very plainly, ties and white shirts are recommended because they add to the dignity of the ordinance. However, they should not be required as a mandatory prerequisite for a priesthood holder to participate. So that was a previous version of the church handbook, church handbook number two. In the current church handbook, it's a little more vague, um, but it says... Those who administer the sacrament should be well-groomed and clean. They should not wear clothing or jewelry that might detract from the worship and covenant-making that are the purpose of the sacrament. If the bishop needs to counsel a priesthood holder about such matters, he does so with love. He also takes into account the person's maturity in the church. The passing of the sacrament should be natural and not be overly formal. For example, such actions, such as holding the left hand behind the back, or appearances, such as dressing alike, should not be required. And then under the section, Dress and Appearance, it states the following. What is appropriate varies across cultures and for different occasions. For example, sacrament meeting, individuals wear their best available Sunday clothing to show respect for the sacrament ordinance. Members and leaders should not judge others based on dress and appearance. They should love all people as the Savior commanded. So the church general handbook is telling us that while we need to dress in a respectful manner to participate in the sacrament, we should not be overly formal or be required to dress the same. It also tells us that we should not judge others based on how they look or dress. So yet if you're requiring everyone who participates in administering the sacrament to wear a white shirt, you are requiring them to dress the same and are doing the opposite of what the church handbook states. Again, Christ establishes the parameter we are expected to function within because it's his church. Requiring someone to wear a white shirt to exercise his priesthood authority is working outside of those parameters, and at that point you're basically doing your own thing.
so lastly I want to share a story and this is actually one of the motivating factors for me to start this podcast in the last war that my family and I lived in we had a new bishop and he was called to be the bishop over a brand new ward that was just created and I, I like this guy I could see that he wanted to try hard and he had good intentions and it wasn't before too long where he called me to work in the young men's organization of the ward I don't currently own a white shirt and I did not own one at the time but I consistently wore my suit with a very subtle beige-ish colored shirt with uh, very subtle white pinstripes uh, it wasn't pure white but uh, it was very nice and it was a reverent shirt it wasn't bright or flamboyant or anything it was it was just a nice subtle shirt it just wasn't a white shirt uh, so when I was set apart the bishop mentioned to me that I needed to wear a white shirt and I didn't know how to tell him that uh, that was just his opinion and not an official rule so I just kind of played it off hoping it would go away but it didn't and a few weeks later after sacrament meeting he came up to me and grabbed me by the arm and whispered in my ear that I needed to wear a white shirt and again I played it off and then one Sunday I was asked by a young man to help pass the sacrament and I obliged but before I could go sit down in the front row I saw the bishop walk off the stand and he kind of like I don't want to say mean mug me but like he looked at, at me at the corner of his eye just kind of like a weird glance I don't even know how to explain it but uh he returned in a few minutes with someone else to help pass so I wouldn't be able to so I knew what was going on he went out of his way to find someone else to pass the sacrament because I was not wearing a white shirt um and in that moment uh, my respect for him it, it kind of began to dwindle a little bit because he was denying me the right to exercise my priesthood simply because my shirt color was the wrong pigment so during covid we had a leadership meeting um on our computers and during this meeting the bishop closed by stating that he was quote unquote going old school and he was going to require the young man and the leaders to wear white shirts or they would not be allowed to administer the priesthood ordinance of the sacrament so when church started again i wore this nice black sweater over my shirt that completely hid my shirt and you couldn't see the color of my shirt uh, it was a, a reverent you know nice sweater it wasn't anything crazy and i kind of figured that this would resolve the issue since you can't really tell someone not to wear a sweater in a meeting However, I was wrong again, and uh, I was also upset that my clothing had become such a focal point and not my worthiness. So finally, finally, we had our very first um, in-person young men's meeting. And a few days prior to this meeting, I had a, a very strong feeling that the bishop was going to call me out in front of everybody. So I expressed this to my wife, and she told me, no, the bishop would never do something like that. Uh, she said it would be really wrong of the bishop to do something like that. But I still had that feeling, so I prepared myself. I read scriptures, I read talks, I read the church handbook, and uh, basically anything I could find that talked about white shirts and the sacrament. And I did not go into it with my mind made up. Um, although I had my beliefs and my feelings on the issue, I, I was willing to, if I found something 
that was in opposition to what I had felt I was willing to take that into consideration. Um, but as I was reading, uh, it just confirmed to me what I knew to be true, which is that uh, the requirement to wear a white shirt is is just an opinion, and it's not actually a church policy, and that I should not be required to wear a white shirt to exercise my priesthood authority. So I went to this meeting, and uh, sure enough, very last item of business, the bishop looked over at me, and he called me out in front of everyone, all of the other young men's leaders. Uh, his counselor looked down at his phone, kind of giving off the impression that he knew what was coming. And so I just kind of sat there and I looked at the bishop and um, I told the bishop, I said, I had a pretty strong feeling that you were going to be calling me out like this in front of everybody and I came prepared. But I told him that I felt like we should discuss it in private. And the bishop refused. He said that he wanted to address it in front of everyone. And then he stated that I had only researched things that supported my point of view. And this was before I even told him what my point of view was. And I told him, I said, no, I researched the truth regardless of whose point of view it supported. And at this point, it became apparent to me that he just wanted to argue in front of everyone, um, I guess maybe to get his point across. But then something kind of interesting happened that I didn't expect. And I felt prompted to share with him a personal story that I actually hadn't thought about in, in years. I told him that when I was a teenager, my parents went through a pretty nasty divorce and I was basically passed back and forth like a ping pong ball. And on this one particular Sunday, I was in the sacrament room preparing the sacrament in a white shirt and tie and dress pants, um, but I had not worn my suit because I happened to have left it at my mom's house. So as I was preparing the sacrament in my white shirt, the young men's president came into the room and he started to chastise me stating that I needed to wear a suit in order to prepare the sacrament. And he wasn't even talking about a white shirt. He wanted a full-blown suit. So I stopped what I was doing. I looked my young men's president in the eyes, and I told him, why don't your parents get divorced, and we'll see how well you remember to bring your suit. And then I walked out of the sacrament preparation room, and I told the bishop that uh, it wasn't until years later when I realized uh, that the young men's president was looking at me with worldly eyes and not as a savior would have seen me. And it wasn't until I was an adult where I realized that if it were the savior, I like to think that he would have given me a hug and said thank you, that there were other young men who were there that day that were worthy but were not preparing the sacrament and that there were young men who were not there that were not worthy to prepare, to prepare the sacrament. And I, I think that Christ would have said that despite all of my struggles, that I was worthy and I was there. And after I shared my story with my bishop, uh, he had tears in his eyes. And he said, Brethren, I think I need to repent. There was a less active young man a couple of weeks ago who was at church, and he was asked to help pass the sacrament but he was wearing a dark shirt, so I asked him to sit back down with his family. And then the bishop followed that statement up with, but dot, 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 I'm still not going to change my rule on the white shirts, and I'm still going to require them. I just, I could not believe 
that he obviously was touched and emotional, but he still refused to even consider changing something that's not even a requirement and something that's actually been talked against from different sources in the church. But this is why uh, white shirt requirements that the bishops have needs to change because it's not an actual requirement. And while it may be good intentioned, it has become a pharisaical practice that focuses on the external symbol of purity rather than purity itself, which to me is kind of ironic. I mean, bishops have become so focused on symbolism that they're overlooking and ignoring the actual things that they want to symbolize. And I think it's got to stop. There is no room for such behavior in the gospel of Jesus Christ, especially when Christ himself was constantly opposing these types of cultural behaviors when he was alive. I mean, he raised the dead and healed the sick and lame on the Sabbath or on holy days. He was not a rabbi in the traditional sense, and his apostles were lowly fishermen, a tax collector, a zealot, and they were generally from classes in society that were looked down upon within the community. But Christ taught us to live a higher law of focusing on the inner worthiness of a person and not the outward appearance. So if we are truly disciples of Jesus Christ, we should do the same. So that's it for this episode. I hope you'll join me next time on The Salty Saint.